So, uh, yeah, we are continuing. We're on part three of coming, uh, draw, come, draw, closer, drumming, drumming closer, coming closer. Anyway, I better get a new tongue because this one's worn out. So, uh, uh, being conform- today we're going to be talking about being conformed or transformed. So this, like uh, Pastor Colleen said, this is week three of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, if you were here two weeks ago, I spoke about being a, a consecrated to God, and that is just setting aside a time to be dedicated to Him. It, it's a time that we like to do to realign ourselves. And I used an analogy of a car, if you guys remember that. And you're, everybody, everybody's car gets out of alignment at times, right? And if you don't do anything with your car out of alignment, how many of you know eventually you're going to have a blowout? That is the same thing that is true in our spiritual life. If we don't t- set so- time aside to realign with God, we're eventually we're going to have a blowout in our life, in our relationships, in uh, uh, whatever's going on, those blowouts will happen. So we have to be aligned with him. So today, I want to just kind of get us into alignment here with this. The scripture says in Galatians 5.25, since we live by the Spirit, how many of you know as followers of Christ... We should be following the Holy Spirit, right? He leads us. He guides us. So he says to keep in step with the Spirit, which means you can get out of step, right? Anybody ever felt like you were out of step? Even though you're serving God, I mean, you're just like, your life was a little out. Here's the the, the Greek uh, definition of this word in step. It means to behave or conform. Just think about this word because we're going to get back to it, to conform or to be in rows or walk orderly. Now, those of you that have been in the military or in a band, how many of you know that sounds like marching, doesn't it? If you're being in rows and you're marching orderly, that's what it looks like. And and that's kind of what he's saying right there. We've got to keep in step with the Holy Spirit, right? We got to stay in step with him. Now, here's the reality of life. Sometimes things in life knock us out of step. All right, sometimes we go through situations and it's like, man, I'm just all over the place. So there's a command in the military when you get out of step and it's called a change step. Anybody, where's Ren at? Where I was going to, I bet he knows that. So how many of you, have you maybe heard of Ren, uh, change step? A couple of you, oh, there you are. You're hiding. I didn't see you there. So this is, uh, this is, oh, well, let me go back one more. This is getting out of step right here. So this is like a road march. You can see these guys are probably all basic training because there's agony on some of their faces there. <laughs> and, and let me tell you, when you're exhausted and wiped out, it's hard to stay in step with the spirit. You're like, I'm just trying to get through today. All right. How many of you feel me? It's like, man, this has been a week. This has been a day. This has been a month, whatever. It's a new year. So even if last year you felt like this, how many of you know, you can go, you can do a change step and get back in the spirit. Now I'm going to attempt to de- demonstrate that. So if you notice, there's the right leg here, right leg here, right leg here. If you're out of step, you're going and you got to just do that and then keep going like that and you change step. Was that, that, easy? that was that easy, right? Uh, I know, isn't that impressive? So uh, thank you, thank you. I still have a little bit of that stuff ingrained in me from years ago, but here's the reality. When we get out of step with the Spirit, it's usually because we're not listening, 
All right, we're starting to listen to other voices that are going on. That's why when you are marching, they have cadence. And, uh, you know, some of the cadences are okay. So most of them you don't want to repeat in a church, that's for sure. Uh, so I wouldn't, but uh, they do that in order to keep you uh, in step. So when, when we're listening to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit keeps us in step with him. Amen. Amen. But then we start getting off. Things get crazy, and, uh, and we are so out of step, and it's like, okay, God, I need to get realigned back with you. I need to tune my ears back into you, amen? I, let me just say, I want to be in step with the Spirit. Amen. Anybody else? Do you want to be in step or out? Yeah. Right? We want to be in step with Him. So that was the, that first week. Last week, Pastor Colleen talked about, are you ready? Listen, if you missed last week, I mean, that was like the best message of this year and last year. I, I mean, it was, well, how many of you guys thought it was a great message last week? And she talked about, are you ready? Because here's a reality. Jesus is coming back. I mean, one way or another, if, if, you know, death could happen to any of us at any time at any age. We all realize that, right? None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. But the reality is either we're going to die or Jesus is going to come and take all of us. So one way or another, I, and let me say, when you get into the book of Revelations, is that crazy for some people, <laughs> reading Revelation? I don't ever claim to be an expert in Revelation, but I know enough to say, when all of that stuff starts happening, I don't want to be here. Right. Amen. I want Jesus to come take me. I, I'm ready to go. So uh, I'm going to build off a little of what she started last week, just the, uh, the first verse out of 2 Peter 3.1, she said, Dear friends, uh, this is Peter writing, This is now my second letter to you, and I have written both of them as a reminder to do what? Stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Amen. Again, let's go back to the Greek word on stimulate. It means to wake up, cause one to wake up, or to refresh. So every time you get into God's word, you know, or you hear a message, whatever it is, what's happening, the purpose and the goal is to stimulate, to wake you up, right? I need my mind refreshed, renewed. renewed, yes, on a regular basis. So, and he says to stimulate, to, to, to do what? For wholesome thinking, right? We're not, we're not trying to stir you into woke thinking. How many of you know that? Right to be wake up, woken up is to be alive in Christ. Not like, oh man, okay, well, I'm just really jiving with the world. No, that's not it. There's. Let me tell you something about thinking because I think you guys probably know this. How many of you know a lot of people don't think for themselves anymore these days? All right, think about that. They, we allow other things to think for us. We allow our our society, our culture to think for us, and the way they do that is through social media. All right, the social media tells you what to think. News, you turn on news, they tell, and it doesn't matter whether it's right or left news, uh, they're trying to tell you how to think. Uh, entertainment, you guys think entertainment, try, it's not, oh, I'm just watching a show. Let me just say, most shows that are created today, there is an agenda behind it. They're trying to get you to think in a certain way. Ads that you watch, uh, music you listen to, opinion polls. Oh, 9 out of 10 people say this. Oh, wow, if 9 out of 10, I guess I better be one of the 9. No, how many of you know it's okay if you're the one that doesn't agree with it? Amen. Amen. Right? Because we need to learn to think for ourselves. Uh, everybody is telling you how to think, what to buy, what to do, who to vote for, all of that stuff. And let me just say, there are some people with crazy thinking. 
And, uh, and they only think that way because somebody told them this, they read this, they heard this, they watched a movie, and that has changed them. So let me just say, if you don't think the entertainment industry is trying to program your thinking, it's time to wake up, isn't it? Can I give you an article I read now uh, just this week? I mean, I'm getting ready for this message, and this came across on, uh, on one of the things that I listened. How many of you, ha- how, who knows what this is? Yeah. Right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to apologize before I get into this. How many of you have one of those? A few of you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, nothing wrong with having a Stanley Cup. You may have never heard of it before. I didn't hear about them until this week. Uh, but let me just say, uh, this was a... Uh, let me read part of the article. I'm just reading part. It says, a major marketing expert claimed that Stanley unleashed a perfect storm of viral marketing with social media TikTok to get customers crazy for its 40-ounce quencher mug. Uh, Victor Lee said, the pre- uh, a president of a marketing firm, he said that the company used the social media platform, check this out, to snag the attention of millions of Americans and get them to buy its tumbler, dubbed the Stanley Cup by fans. The strategy netted the company, check this out, 10 times its usual annual profits. Just from the cup, it netted 10 times its annual in just a short period of time, and it made legions of customers ravenous for the product. Uh, The expert called Stanley's entrance into the viral marketplace brilliant, especially for being able to take something as innocuous as a water bottle and then turn it into a must-have product. I got to have one of those. Those are amazing. Uh, I got a video clip that that I want to show you, so just uh, go ahead and play that. Stanley Cups? I own one. You own one? Just one? You don't? My wife has them. Okay, so video from Goodyear. Look at these people. What what about it, though? This is, well, they're nice nice cups. The thing you don't like about them is you can't put them on your side. But you can put them in your cup holder in your your car. And they keep your drink cold. Very. So between 20 and 45 bucks. Uh, but they resell for double that. But in fact, we saw one for like three hundred dollars. I don't understand. So what? This is a special, special Valentine's Day oh, version. Sorry. Okay. So it's limited edition. Literally only sold at this specific sorry. target. Okay, I get it. So now. if you get one, well, then you have one. You get one, then you have one. Right. Well, you can resell it. I was. <laughs> you, know, you get one. Then you then have you one. Have you can keep it. Or you could throw it away. All right. You get one, and then you have one. So again, it sounds like it's a good cup. There's nothing wrong with that. But how many of you realize there's a lot of people got snagged by TikTok in order to buy that? And it became a craze. And apparently, uh, if you can market things just right, you can influence people to buy your product. I mean, that's good advertisement right there. I got to say that. But, but I think the point I'm trying to make on this is not to point out and make you feel like, oh, man, you know what? I'm silly for owning a stand. No, it sounds like it's a good cup. But I want you to realize we are being programmed, yeah. right? We are being told what to buy, what to do, who to vote for, who all of that stuff is going on. And the reality is if we're going to come close to God, and have him come close to me, I've got to step out of the things that this world's telling me to do and listen to him. Amen. Right? I've got to tune my ears to him. Uh, we need to, that's why we're here, stimulate our thinking. We want, we want our minds to wake up, uh, if maybe refreshed, like I said, not being woke. How many of you know woke is uh, uh, believing the things that the world's trying to tell you? 
And, and let me just say, over the last 10, 15 years, maybe a little bit more, uh, this woke ideology has taken our, our, our world by storm. How many of you realize that the, and I, I looked this up, I'm like, how many genders are there? This website came up, medicinenet.com, says there are now 72 genders. I mean, and here's the thing, I, I'm not getting into this water or anything like that, but I'm just saying, if you do the DNA on people, it's only going to come up male or female, Amen. right? That's all there is. And it's like, you know, whatever your sexual preference, that's not your gender, your gender is who you are, who God created you to be. Uh, the world wants to tell you that if a woman is pregnant, that's not actually a life. That's just tissue. Although you do the DNA, that is a human being, Amen. right? It's an, it may not be developed yet, but it's still a human being. The world is trying to teach you that you don't have to believe in Jesus. Just be a good person. Right? If you're a good person, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, you know what? I believe in heaven, and I think I'll get there because I'm a good person. How many of you realize none of us are good according to the word, Amen. right? We've all, the scripture says we've all fallen short of God's standard. We all need Jesus. The world wants to tell you that marriage, ah, it's just a piece of paper. It's just a piece of paper. No, it isn't. It's a covenant between you and your spouse and God, right? It's a three-way covenant uh, that is there. Uh, the world tries to tell us, just do whatever you want as long as you're happy, Oh, if, as long, if it makes you happy, go. let me say, the list could go on. So today I want to stimulate you to wholesome thinking, Amen. wholesome, godly thinking. And, and again, if you find yourself out of step, it's time to do a change step. Let's get back into step with God. So today we're going to look at a, a couple of very familiar verses out of the book of Romans uh, Romans, I, that's one of my favorite books in the Bible. And I'll tell you why, but because when you, I mean, first of all, Paul was not in Rome when he wrote Romans. He was probably in Corinth. And uh, before he went there, he sent it to, to the Jews and to the Christians that were living in Rome. Uh, and, and if you read the first 11 chapters of Roman, it's all about what we would call doctrine. And you're like, well, what is that? That sounds like a churchy uh, uh, belief there. Doctrine is just our belief about God. What you, everybody has got doctrine. Everybody in here, even if you never thought, I have a doctrine. Whatever your thought process is about God, that's your doctrine. You may have never thought it all the way through, like, oh, yeah, you know what? I believe God's just going to be an alien coming down. I mean, there, there's some people with some weird doctrine. Am I right? crazy ideas. Uh, not everybody, you know, sometimes we have doctrine and uh, most of it's good, but maybe we got a few holes in it. That's why when we get into word, that's why when we uh, uh, come to church, we're hearing teachings and then we compare it to what God's word says. And that begins to fix those holes, doesn't it? Amen. And it's like, oh man, I want, I mean, let me just tell you, when I first started being a pastor, I had, God has changed me a lot. So people and say, I'm so sorry. <laughs> God's corrected me. I, I'm, I'm getting older. God has taught me a lot of stuff, but guess what? I'm still being changed. Amen. I, I am not one to say, oh man, I've got it all figured out. No, I still need God to change me. So all of us have doctrine. Uh, chapter 1 through 11 covers that. The last uh, four chapters, chapter 12 through 16, all deal with application. How do I put into practice everything that I just learned. Because the reality, it doesn't do any good to believe all the right things, to have right doctrine if you don't apply it. Isn't that true? Like, say you had a pilot and you're about to get on a plane. 
He went through flight school. He aced everything. He learned everything you're supposed to do. But he says, you know what? I'm just going to do what I want to do on the, when I'm flying this airplane. Would you? I know I learned. I know what the right thing is to do, but I'm just going to, I want to do it my way. Uh, no, I'm going to get on. Can I catch the next flight, please? Because uh, that doesn't sound so good. Uh, this is true when it comes to scripture. We know that we're supposed to forgive, do we not? Anybody ever hear a message about forgiveness? All right, we know it, but if we don't actually do it, then what's wrong? You know, we're fooling ourselves. Same thing about gossip. Oh, yeah, you know, shh, shh, that person right there. I know the scripture says not to, so uh, we were kind of joking about it. I don't repeat gossip, so you better listen the first time. It's a funny joke, but don't do it, right? Okay. Uh, so here's the, uh, here's the fill-in for your notes. You can have right belief, but if you don't actually apply it, you just become a religious spirit. Right. Think about it. Oh, yeah, they're just not, I can't believe that they're doing that. When they're doing it their own selves, right? So uh, well, the scripture, I don't have it up here, but Romans 10, 17, I think some of you guys will know this. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? Word of God. Right, so hearing the word of God can build faith to you, but, but can you hear the word of God and not have faith? Yes, you can. Because if you don't actually apply what you heard, your faith isn't going to automatically grow just because you heard something. Look what James 1.22 says. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Oh, yeah. You can memorize all the scripture you want for the rest of your life. If you don't apply any of it, how many of you know it doesn't do you any good? You might be able to win at Bible trivia game. Woohoo! Yeah, I knew that answer. But if you don't do it, so, so the other, the flip verse of that, so right belief without application acts as religious spirit. Application without right belief, you just become kooky. All right, that's a spiritual word there. The Greek of that, no, I'm kidding, I don't have the Greek of that. But uh, let me just say, there's a lot of people doing stuff based off of wrong beliefs. And I've, we've been pastoring for a long time. I've heard a lot. I'm not going to say I heard it all because I'm sure there's more to come. But uh, people that blame their strange behavior on God. All right, like, like let, let me hear, give you an example. This was years ago. A lady came and said, God told me to divorce my husband uh, and marry this other guy because my husband committed adultery in his heart. Right? I mean, you think about the words of Jesus. If you look upon a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Oh, I've got grounds for a divorce. Uh, no, you don't. Uh, second, another one we heard, this was years ago too. God told me to tithe to myself to my ministry. Yeah, I'm going in the ministry, so my 10%, it's coming to me. Uh, no, uh, how many of you realize we don't get to direct where our tithe goes? Malachi says, bring your whole tithe where? Into the storehouse, right? That's where we've got to bring it. Uh, another one, uh, God told me to leave this church and go start another church across the street. How many of you know that just reveals an unsubmissive and divisive person, right? right? I, let me tell you, I, I had so many going in my head, but I'm like, I'm leaving it at that. We need right beliefs and we need right application. Amen? So chapter 12 is the beginning of application. But the first verse, Paul is trying to get our mind going in the right direction. So Romans 12, 
Let me read Romans 12, 1 and 2. This is the beginning of application. He goes, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Verse 2, he says, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So I went through that fast because we're about to go through it slow. So let me back up to the first verse again. And he starts out with a therefore. Listen, whenever this is what we were taught when we were taught to learn how to read the Bible. Every time you see a therefore, you've got to ask yourself this question. What's the therefore, therefore? All right, there's a reason for it. Because it's, it's saying therefore based off of what was said before. What was said before was 11 chapters of doctrine. 11 chapters of this is the right way to think. And now he's saying, therefore, I'm urging you, brothers, in view of God's mercy. That's a churchy word, too, if you don't think about it. Uh, if you think about it, what's the definition? And because we see God's mercy, mercy is this. It's forgiveness or withholding punishment. When God is merciful to us, yes, we deserve punishment for it, but he's merciful and he's not giving it to us. He's not pouring it out. Listen, there is a time that you, if you're outside of God's uh, uh, grace, then you're not getting mercy. Look at all, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 in the Old Testament. It says, for anyone who refused to obey the law of Moses was put to death. How? Without mercy on the testimony of two or three. That's harsh, isn't it? Anybody ever read some Old Testament stuff and you're like, oh, wow, that's rough. <laughs> Like uh, uh, one of the guys that comes to our men's Bible study, he goes, man, I was reading the Old Testament and this guy was picking up sticks on the Sabbath and they stoned him. It's like, that's harsh, right? How do you even deal with that? I just picked up a stick, right? Uh, but he broke, that's what life would be like without mercy. God is a righteous God and, and he cannot allow sin. So uh, without the mercy of God, how many of you know we'd all be vapor right now? Right? We'd all be vaped. So thank God for the mercy of God. But look what he goes on to say in verse 29. Just think how much worse the punishment will be for those who have trampled on the Son of God, have treated the blood of the covenant, which made us holy, as if it were common and unholy, and have insulted and disdained the Holy Spirit who does what? What does he do? He brings God's mercy to us. God is a merciful God. And I, what I want us to understand is if we can truly grab hold of God's mercy, it will absolutely change how you live. Like worship is different when you understand God's mercy. Amen. It's like, oh God, I'm gonna, I can sing to you. It's not like, oh man, who's going to see me raise my hand? I don't know if I want to do that. You're focusing on the wrong thing. We've got to focus on his mercy. Obedience is something you want to do. God, I want to obey you. Forgiveness is easier because you understand how much God has forgiven you. Living your life sacrifice, you're like, okay, God, I will give it up. I will do this. I will do whatever you want. Avoiding sin, loving others, all of that stuff is easier when you live your life in view of God's mercy. Amen. God is merciful to us more than we deserve. He goes on to say this. Let me go back. So in view of God's mercy, because God has been merciful and is merciful, he says, offer your bodies, how? As a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. See, I'm a sacrifice. Everybody say, I'm a sacrifice. 
a sacrifice, what is it? A sacrifice is usually dead when it's on the altar, am I right? Amen. So we die to ourselves. We die to our old nature, and we say, God, I'm giving up my rights. I'm following after you. I'm going to do whatever you say. I know this is anti-American because we, we have a bill of what in our country? A bill of rights. Nothing wrong with that. People have lived and uh, fought and died so that we could have those rights, the right to assemble. Uh, I'm not talking about giving that up, but I am talking about some of our home personal rights. So fill in your notes. You will never be a sacrifice to God as long as you insist on hanging on to your rights. Ooh, that's my right. I want this. I want that. I'm going to get that. Listen, you cannot be a partial sacrifice. You can't say, okay, God, you can take my leg, but the rest of myself I'm, I'm keeping, right? No, it's, it's all or nothing. And it reminds me of a story. Maybe you've probably heard this, but these farm animals, they, got, they had such the best farmer, took good care of them, made sure they got their food, watched out for the wolves coming around. And so the farm animals gathered around. They said, hey, uh, let's do something nice for the farmer. Let's fix him breakfast. And they all said, yeah, that's a great idea. So the cow stepped up and said, hey, listen, I'm willing to give some fresh milk for this breakfast. The chicken said, that's good. I can give the eggs to the breakfast. And uh, the dog says, hey, I can run out to the orchard. I'll bring some fresh oranges in for the breakfast. And then all of them looked over at the pig and they said, uh, and you can give the bacon. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, think about that one for a minute. Three animals were donating. One was committed. Right. Isn't that right? One was, one was going to be a sat. You can't just like, hey, take a little off the right hump right there, right? No, it was all or nothing. And, and I think sometimes we're giving God eggs and he's saying, no, it's time for the bacon, right? I know that's not a Jewish message right there at all, but uh, let's, let's move on. So I have to lay down. Here's the thing. What are my rights? My rights to get even. Oh, they said this. Well, I, let me tell you, any of you have like a sharp tongue that is just, you come back to really easy because it has been in me. It's gotten me in trouble before. I have to learn to lay that down. I can't just snap back because somebody says something. Sometimes I have to lay down my right to be comfortable. God calls us into uncomfortable situations sometimes. And eh, I don't know. Okay, God, I'll do it. I'll do it. I have to give up doing things my way and follow his way. Amen. So he sums up that verse with saying, this is your spiritual act of worship. I put it in a couple other versions. This is truly the way to worship. But I love the new King James on it. It says, which is your reasonable service. Amen. All right? If something is reasonable, what does that mean? It's fair, right? It's, uh, it's sensible. It makes sense. Oh, yeah. Well, God, since you gave up your life for me and you have offered me mercy, you've given me forgiveness, then it's only reasonable for me to do that back to you, right? It's kind of like if you say hi to somebody, isn't it reasonable to expect them to say hi back? Right. I mean, that's not like asking too much. God is not asking anything that he hasn't already done first. Amen. Amen. It's reasonable. Here's another thing that Paul said that kind of demonstrates, says the same thing. Don't you realize your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, was given to you by God? You don't belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price. So you must honor, honor God with what? This thing right here, and that includes up here. God has been merciful to you. How does that make you feel? How does that make you feel if you think about God's mercy? 
I mean, think about the things that have happened in your life. Maybe the things you've done, the things that you've done that you know was wrong, all right, that you know you deserve uh, punishment for it, and God says, no, I forgive you. I'm not punishing you for that. And so I want to take just a moment here, and uh, I I want us to reflect, because before we get into the, the next verse, I think we need to really reflect on God's mercy. So uh, Timothy's going to lead us in a song. And uh, let's just take a minute and think about the mercy of God. Listen to the words and sing along. Was that grave bent for me where my sin 
his goodness and mercy and the power of his blood. I'm so glad that my freedom wasn't based on what I've done, but the goodness and mercy and the power of the blood. It's your goodness and mercy and the power of your blood. It's your goodness and mercy and the power of the blood. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. God is good. So uh, in view of God's mercy, been merciful, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice. How do I do that? So, so Paul is saying in the first verse, this, you got to get your focus right. Because if your focus is not right, you're not going to want to do any of that. But he says this, he goes on in verse 2. Uh, so I'm going to give you three steps on being a living sacrifice. He says, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. So to, to be a follower of Christ means that we are Christ-like. It means we act like Christ, we should behave like Christ, we should think like Christ, uh, but you can't look like, you can't be Christ-like and world-like at the same time. Isn't that true? You, you can't say, oh, well, I look like the world and I look like Christ. No, it doesn't happen that way. Uh, so I've pulled out a little object lesson here. And uh, this is a mold. It's a jello mold, actually. And uh, it's in the shape of a brain here. So my wife did the honors of making some... Pla I'm going to put this cup down because I knocked it down first service. Uh, made a uh, Play-Doh mold of a brain here. Isn't that cool looking? That color's a little gross, isn't it? So uh, here, here's my whole thought process on this. That uh, we understand, what, like I said, what it means to conform. And he's saying... Do not conform anymore to the patterns of this world. So the world, here's the thing. When you are, when babies are born, how many of you know our minds are not polluted by the things of the world? There, you know, there's no porn addiction. There's no racism. Amen. Amen. How many of you know a two-year-old is not racist? Right? They are taught to be racist by the people around them. Uh, you, they're not addicted to things that, uh, that aren't bad for us. Uh, they haven't been polluted by the world. Isn't that true? They're not polluted by the world. And so that's kind of how your brain comes out. But eventually what happens is that the longer we begin to live in this world, it's like, oh, you're not supposed to like that person. It begins to pick our brain apart. Oh, you're not supposed, oh, oh, you know what? Just have a swig of this, you know, have a toke of this. Oh, well, that begins to tear your brain apart. And all of these selfish desires begin, because we do have a sin nature, is that right? Yes, but so all of these things begin to come at us, the things in the world. We watch a video, oh, you're supposed to do this. And so we begin to follow these patterns that happen. And eventually what happens is our thinking is messed up. Right? We are really messed up. And, and what the world is trying to do is trying to pick away that. And I know you can't tell what this is, but if you looked up close, it's actually a, a candle mold for a globe, for a world. And what the, the world is trying to do, it's trying to make you fit into that mold. Oh, if we just entertain them with this, then that'll make, start making them think this. If we tell them this, then this is what this can... And eventually, they're trying to fit our mind into the world's way of thinking. 
Isn't that true? So I, I tried this first service. It didn't work out. I was hoping it would come out looking like the globe, but it's a blob. So uh, <laughs> let me just pull that blob out there. Woo, I caught that. I wouldn't want that to get on the carpet. Nope, you're going to make a beast down there. <laughs> anyway, trying to pull it out. So, so that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, don't conform. Don't get stuck in the world's desire and the world's way of thinking because that's not good. And let me just say, it's not just uh, uh, non-Christians that are thinking in a worldly way. How many of you realize it's infiltrated the church? There are entire denominations, and I'm not going to name those denominations, that have changed their views to look less like Christ and begin to look more like the world. Right? Oh, well, and you know, they say that they're progressive. Oh, they're just more progressive. No, it's not progressive. It's just conformed. Right? The pressures of this world have caused them to stop thinking that and start thinking the way they want. And if you think, oh, well, they're progressive, you wouldn't be here if that was the case. So uh, uh, then the reality is you're conforming as well. Because we do try to talk and stay as scripturally as we can. Is that true? All right, so I'm not afraid to address issues that may not be conforming to the world. But we want truth, do we not? Amen. Right? If, if you're conforming to the world, then friend, listen, you have gotten out of step with the Spirit. It's time to get back in step. Remember what I brought that word up. Being in step is conforming to not the world, but the Spirit. All right, following after God. I want to conform to Him, not conform to the things of this world. And so if you're doing something, if you're living a lifestyle in a way that you know is out of step with God's word, then guess what? You have conformed to the world, all right? Maybe someone's watching online. You're living in a lifestyle you know is wrong. You know it's wrong. Oh, but that's, this is the, you know, 21st century, isn't it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, 28th century. Anyway, that's so out of date. That's not even real. No, it's a real deal. We want to be not current to our world. I want to be current to what God's word says. Amen? Amen? I want to follow after what the Lord says. So if you're doing something, it's time to get back. If you're acting in a certain way, if you've got words coming out of your mouth on a regular basis that you know, listen, you've got to get your mouth back in step with the, the word. Amen? Amen? We've got to correct that. And it's like, well, that's just how I talk. Well, change the way you talk. Right? right? Stop doing those things. It's time for a change step. How many of you know a, a scriptural word for change step is repent? I've got, okay, God, I've been out of step. I'm sorry. Lord, let me get back in step with you. Amen? Yes. How many of you remember, okay, I, a lot of people in the first service didn't know who this was, but how many of you remember Star Trek with the Borg? Anybody? All right. Anybody, I'm, before I pull it up, anybody remember what the statement was when they encountered a new species? Resistance? resistance is futile. You will be assimilated. Uh, so here we go. <laughs> you will be assimilated. Anybody recognize who that Borg is? Yeah, that's, uh, what's his name? Mark Zuckerberg. Facebook dude right there. So uh, how many of you know social media is trying to assimilate you? I don't know if anybody here has ever been in Facebook jail because you uh, posted something that was against their standard or whatever. You posted that. We're, we're going to cover that up. I, I just put that in there to be silly, but uh, here's the thing. How do I resist conforming to the world? How do, I, how do I get back in step? If I've been there, I mean, it's an easy thing to say. Sometimes in church, we're guilty of saying things, but then you're like, how do I do that? 
How do I actually do that? Well, the verse is telling us, uh, don't conform, but be what? Be transformed. So don't conform. You've got to resist the things that this world is trying to mold you into. It's like, even if it sounds good, even if everybody is doing it, what, what is it that your mom might have said to you growing up if everybody jumps off of a cliff? Are you going to do it? Listen, our standards shouldn't be what everybody else is doing. Well, all of my friends are doing this. So what? We've got to align ourselves with God if we're going to follow after him. So I, I've got to resist that, and I've got to start tra being transformed. What does it mean to be transformed? You'd be interested. This is the Greek word, metamorpho. And uh, uh, what word today do we get that comes from that? Metamorphous, right? And, uh, or I wish it transformers. My wife's got a transformer. I almost brought it up here. But it's, it's not just changing your behavior. How many of you know that's not metamorphous? Following Christ is not about behavior modification. Oh, you're doing the right, wrong thing. Now you better do the right thing. It's not that at all. I mean, if that's all you do, how many of you know you've missed it? Right? Well, I act right. I do the right things. No, metaphors, check it out. It says change or transforming the essential nature of something. Because something gets rewired on the inside. Now I act different. Right? Now I begin to do that. Now I begin to love those people that aren't so lovely. Am I right? Now I begin to step out. Metamorphosis, uh, what, uh, everybody knows, what's, what's the main insect that goes through metamorphosis? Yeah, we all know that, right? The butterfly. This is interesting. So I got this off because I'm not this smart, but uh, what the uh, butterfly does. So when a caterpillar goes through metamorphosis and becomes a butterfly, the first stage is the egg, obviously. Egg gets plant. The second stage is the caterpillar hatches. And yes, they're gross. And they got all these legs on it. Some of them are false legs. Some of them are, I mean, it's just a whole, and they eat like crazy, do they not? caterpillars can divide. You get a whole bunch of them on your tree, your tree's not going to have any leaves on it anymore. But they do a lot of growing at that time. They outgrow their skin. says they could do it up to five t stage. Then the third stage is the chrysala. Chrys Thank you. I, knew, I said it wrong in first service too. Or the pupa. Anyway, there it is right there. It's like this thing becomes this thing. And, and it's like, oh my gosh, what in the world is going on? Let me read it what it is because I thought this was so good. It says, inside the shell, the caterpillar breaks down, and it rearranges its structure, growing a new body, new legs, and wings. It is a complete transformation. Amen. Isn't God's creation amazing? Amen. Right? Isn't that amazing? And then the final stage is obviously the butterfly. It's like it's a completely different creature. Like if you didn't know any better, you wouldn't put a caterpillar and say, oh yeah, uh, it's the same thing as this butterfly, because it's not. It becomes that, but that's how it is when we are in Christ. It's like, yeah, we're still the same person body-wise, but when you give your life to Christ and you truly surrender him, there's a metamorphosis that goes on on the inside of you. You are changed. The Bible says the old man is gone and a new man is here right? You are, and people are like, well, you still look like the same person. You don't look, you didn't go through that kind of change. No, that change happens inward Amen. and the actions begin to show. So why would I share that? Because I believe that sometimes as believers, we get stuck right here. God's wanting to transform your life so that you can become this right here. Amen. Amen? 
God wants you to be more. He wants you to be transformed. And how do we do that? How does he say to do that? By the renewing, renewing of our mind. our mind. Remember what the world does to our mind? It's a train wreck, isn't it? It, it, it is messy. We're thinking weird things all the time. So I've got to renew my mind. How do we do that? How do I, how, you know, the question is, here's my question for you. Why do you think the way you do? Why do you believe the things you do? Have you ever thought about it? Most people don't. Most, well, I've just believed that because I've always believed that. I believe that because that's what I was told when I was younger. That's not always safe because what if you were told the wrong thing when you were younger? You can't just stick with this is what I've always believed. You've got to have some kind of a foundation. That foundation is God's word has got to be what is our foundation. You could have been told right. You could have been told wrong. I was always told that if I hit my head with a two by four, it would take away my headache. Does that make sense? Somebody's got to come and say, listen, somebody told you wrong. Haven't you noticed that your head hurts more after that? It doesn't take it away. So don't just base your life and your thinking based off of what you've always been told, what other people tell you, what social media tells you, what all your friends tell you. We've got to go to the source and say, God, how do I think? I mean, go back to the Stanley Cup. Why do you have one? Why do you have? Well, it's a good cup. Okay, nothing wrong with that. But it's like, why did you buy that cup? Was there some outside force that caused you to think that way? How do I renew my mind? I guess that's the question there. Uh, and to renew means to make it new again, right? To renew it again. Because if, if we're not careful, this is kind of what our mind looks like before we come to Christ. We got junk in it. Am I right? Uh, junk thinking, bad thinking, oh, this is, I mean, that's all there. And we've got to come and say, oh, and, and even as you're following Christ, we can get junk in it. Like we're just driving along and somebody throws garbage into our mind and we start thinking about it. Or you're scrolling on the internet and something pops up that shouldn't pop up. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And somebody just dumped garbage into your mind. And it's like, ah, oh, Lord, you're watching a TV show that you think is great and then some commercial pops on and it's like, oh, Lord, what's this in my mind now? So how do I renew that? How do I get the junk out of my mind? So I'm going to give you a few ways, but let me just say this. The first way is you have to surrender your life to Christ. Amen? We've got to give our life to Christ. You, you can even think fairly good and all of that, but we're not going to think God's way until we really surrender to him. So that's the first step right there. Uh, I didn't put that in your notes, but here's, a, here's the thing. We want to get back to our thinking the way God made it. So the first thing that you have to start, yes, give your life to Christ. But the second one, I believe, is getting into God's Word. Amen. Every time you pick up God's Word and, and you begin to read it, you know what you're doing? You're taking the way the junk that the, earth, the world has made your mind, and you're starting to get it back into alignment with God. You start thinking the way God is telling you to. He's correcting our thought process. And let me just say... There is no excuse for anybody, at least in America, to not be in God's Word. Amen. Well, I don't read very good. Well, I, listen, you can download the Bible app, and it will read to you. It'll read to you in a woman's voice, in a man's voice, in a British accent, if you like that. There you go. Right? It, whatever you like. And it's like, oh, yeah, I like that. I like this voice. So, I mean, let's be honest. Some voices annoy you, some don't. So there is no excuse for not getting into it. But what happens is that every time you do, 
You're getting a little bit more pure in your thoughts. It's being renewed a little bit more. Uh, Another way of doing it is uh, getting into church, making that a consistent thing in your life. You're like, it's not just about, oh, I better go to church to be a good person. No, when you come to church, uh, we are coming together. We are growing together. Do you realize we grow better together than we do apart? When we're, that's how, you know, God calls us the body of Christ, not the finger of Christ. Like, you guys can't see it, but I got a scar on my finger because uh, when I was younger, and my sister's probably watching because she'll, she'll remember, I was too young, but apparently she asked, told me, put your finger in this bicycle chain and let's see what happens when it goes around the uh, sprocket. And uh, uh, I, apparently my mom freaked out. My finger was hanging by a uh, little piece of skin. Anybody grossed out yet? But they put it back on, and guess what? It continued to grow. If they didn't put it back on, then I would have been stumpy right there. I would have been like that. Uh, But at the same time, that finger wouldn't have grown anymore, would it? It would have decayed and died out. Sometimes that's how... I know, I'm sorry for that illustration. But uh, sometimes that's how we are in the body of Christ. We separate... We went through the bicycle chain, the rough thing in life, and, and the next thing you know, we're no longer growing. We're no longer there. And so uh, I just put several pictures. This was from our uh, chili cook-off day. We come together. We grow together. Your kids are growing together. Uh, we have some great fellowship and relationships. And you get to use your... Uh, we got a new soundboard now, so thank God. Uh, but I just love the community that you get. And uh, look how great Billy looks right there. And listen... We come together in situations that nowhere else you would come together, right? You begin to build those relationships, and you develop accountability. Anybody love the word accountability? Yeah, no, I I like honesty. We don't always like that. But the reality is if we don't have accountability, if you don't have people checking on one another, then what's going to happen is that you will drift away. How many of you know that's true? You will drift away. Not that you don't love God anymore, but you're no longer growing. I, I can almost guarantee that. So being in there. Uh, another thing that, that we can do to help give us right thinking is getting involved in small groups or life groups. You start doing that. Guess what? People get to know you just a little bit more than they do right now. Like you may have come in and, and we kind of know you a little bit and you kind of know us. But if you're upset... You, you know, you can hide that sometimes in a crowd. Isn't that true? But think about your family. Like, men, if your wife is upset, does she have to tell you she's upset? No. Why? Because you can see it. And, and same thing. My wife can tell when I'm upset. I'm not saying a word. And she's like, what's wrong? And I'm thinking, how do you know something's wrong? She's like, we've been married for 35 years. I know you. I know you. And, and that's kind of what some of the things that happen in a small group is that people get to know you on a little bit more intimate basis than we do on Sunday morning. And so with that, they're like, hey, what's going on? How can I pray with you? What can, can, what can we do? How can we help you? How can we serve you? So those begin to renew our mind even more. I love, like Friday morning, we do our men's Bible study. And I've told people, that's my favorite time. We have like 10, 12 guys that come to that. And, and we're just very real with each other. We're not trying to uh, uh, impress anybody with our scriptural knowledge or anything like that. We're just like very real. 
And so that's like one of my favorite times, and it's a small group where we get together. In a couple of weeks, we're going to be kicking off our small groups again, and I encourage you to be here. Another thing of renewing our thinking is just learning to serve other people. So many times, all we do is serve ourselves. Like when I hear most prayer requests, people pray, I need this, I need that, I need this in my life. Keep, you know, it's all about me. You begin to grow when you begin to lift up prayer needs for other people. Right? There's something about getting outside of yourself, serving somebody else that really helps our thinking in the right way. I mean, one aspect of it is simply, oh, woe is me. My life is horrible. You start somebody serving somebody else whose life is really struggling. You're like, oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. You know, <laughs> thank you for, and it gives, puts you in a right way to be able to help them in a good way. Amen. And the last one that I want to talk about you guys, don't get mad at me, but I'm going to talk about tithing, all right? You're like, what is that? I've never heard of that before. Uh, I don't really talk about it a lot of times, but that's actually going to take the last big chunk of this right here, and I'm just going to put it in there. I don't talk about it, but can I say this? It needs to be talked about. We need to talk about it from time to time. Why is it such an important issue? Because I rarely see a mature believer who doesn't tithe. Right? And what is a tithing? It's simply giving 10% of your income to your storehouse, not Caleb, not you know, your own ministry or whatever it is. And listen, I'm not legalistic about it, but I just want to tell the truth. I want to give you what God's word says because it's important. And I know what's one of the raps the church gets. Oh, they just want your so I'm just here to tell you, I'm willing to be judged by some as being a money-hungry preacher in order to tell you guys the truth. Amen. Does that make sense? Some people, if they're watching online, they're like, oh, yeah, he just wants your money. That's not it at all. I want you to be free. Amen. I want you, and let me show you, let me take you through one scripture, Matthew 6, verse 19 through 24, and just give you a smidgen uh, on the thing about money. So it starts out at verse 19. It says, so don't store up treasures here on earth where moth and rust eat them, uh, where moth eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures where? In heaven, where moth and rust cannot destroy, thieves do not break in and steal. Because what? Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your hearts are too. So if every bit of finances that comes into my life, it's me. Ooh, I got to get this, and I want this, and I want this, and it's all spent for you. Guess where the desire of your heart is? This is Jesus. Let me just tell you, don't be mad at me. This is Jesus' words. Amen. All right, this is what he said. That's where your desire is. That's why there was a rich man that approached Jesus, and he says, oh, I've done all these things ever since I was young. I've obeyed, I've, you know, I followed all these commandments, and Jesus like, yeah, you did all the right things, but one thing you have forgotten, and he tells him to go sell everything and give it to the poor. Like, how unrealistic is that, Jesus? Come on. The guy got up and he left. Why? Because he loved his money. And Jesus knew, you may have all your ducks in the row, but there's one going crazy. And it's your desire of your heart is for that money right there. So he goes on, he's talking about money this whole time. So he goes in verse 22, he says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. That makes sense, doesn't it? But then he goes, but when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. So he's talking about money. He's like, if you have, if your eye is seeing clearly when it comes to your money and your treasures, 
then your whole body is going to be healthy. But if you see money in an unhealthy way, if you're grabbing onto it and holding onto it and still thinking you're serving God, you're filled with darkness. I mean, this this is Jesus, okay? Not me, so don't get mad at me. Uh, Then he goes on, if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. I know, that is a wow, isn't it? It's like, how deep, if I don't have the right view of money, I may think I'm walking in the light, but I'm walking in darkness thinking I'm in the light. I need to have that right understanding. He goes on to verse 24, and he says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one, love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In in the Greek, it actually says mammon. I think it says that in King James as well. Uh, How many of you realize money is not a God? All right, money's not a God. So how is he saying to masters, uh, God and money, if you understand money is not a God, it's just something we use. But I want to tell you, there is a spirit that can be attached to money. Does that make sense? There's a spirit that can be attached to it. Uh, The word mammon is actually derived from a Syrian dialect, and it's referencing a Syrian deity, the God of riches. So let me pull that up. So when you think about this verse, he's not saying, you know, oh, you can't serve God and the dollar bill at the same time. It's not talking about that. Jesus isn't talking. He's saying you cannot serve God and this God of riches and, you know, greed that comes out of it. It's like you've got, you've got a choice. Am I going to allow riches? Am I going to allow money to control my life? Because if it will, I want to tell you, you will not serve God very long. I'm just telling you. So how do I decide? I, am I pursuing money? Or am I serving and serving mammon and learning to give 10%? Listen, I know it's hard. It was not hard. It was not easy when I first started serving God because it was breaking a spirit. Right. It was breaking a spirit in my life. And it was like, okay, God, I know this is the right thing to do, but I don't want to. Right? And especially when things were tight. How many of you guys understand that? Especially when it's like, oh, man. And I think we've shared this story. Many of you probably haven't heard it, but when I was in the military and, and funds were tight and our daughter was just a baby and it was like, okay, we can either buy formula and diapers or tithe. And we bought diapers and formula. We didn't tithe. And then that week, that week, I think it was that Monday, uh, there was some, I don't know, my wife was watching something. It was somebody in the same situation, and it's like, you know what? We went ahead and tithed, and, and God blessed us, and we're like, we're feeling the conviction of not doing what we knew what we, we should do. And so that next month came around, and if you're in the military, there is no overtime. I don't care how many hours they work you. I got the exact same paycheck with the exact same bills, and it was like, are we going to buy formula and diapers? Or are we going to tithe? So we, we grabbed that envelope, we put our tithe in it, and our hands were shaking as it was dropping in the offering as it went by. And we're like, okay, God. And this was, we're, we moved to Hawaii, big church. Nobody really even knew us there. Uh, but I remember that next month, that Monday, my wife got a phone call from the church. And they're like, is this Scott and Colleen Williams? And you're like, yeah. Well, could you come up here? There's an envelope up here with your name on it. Amen. And uh, I promise you, this is a true story. My wife went up there and there was $200. That was our tithe. It was, they had $200 of cash that got, and man, I mean, that changed us. It was like, God, you really are good. And you really, and that, and let me just say, that spirit of mammon was broken off of us. 
right? It didn't have that hold on. I'm not going to say that we never struggled with it again, but I want to tell you, we broke that back of it because we learned, listen, God, I, I want to see. I want my light to be able to see. I want my eye to be healthy. Amen? Amen. So uh, when you have that right view of money, listen, you're going to break that greed in your life. Amen? I know maybe scary. Some of you may be here like, I don't know about this. I don't know about this. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. I, I could have so many people come up and give a testimony. So let me, uh, let me get ready to go back here. We're almost done. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Renew your mind. Then check it out. Here's the promise. This is why we're doing it. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Anybody ever like, what's God's will for my life? God, what do you want me to do? Lord, I need to know what your will is. And uh, he's saying that if we will allow God to renew our mind, if we offer ourselves as that living sacrifice, no longer conforming to the patterns of this world, then we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. And then our thinking will be back the way God wants it to be. We'll begin to think right because... We started following him, allowing him in, bending our will back to him instead of the things of this world and allow God to, to transform us into a new person. Amen. Uh, I want that in my life. Amen. I want that. And so this renewing process that he's talking about, notice that the verb is an ongoing thing. It's not like, you know, I gave my life to the Lord 30, 40 years, 40 years ago. Uh, wow. That's a long time. I was like one when that happened. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that renewing process is something that I have to do on a regular basis. I need to, oh God, I, I, every morning I get up and I'm reading God's word and I'm trying to spend time with God uh, because I need my mind renewed on a regular basis. So my challenge for you is, yeah, we're in the time of prayer and fasting, uh, hoping to bring a big realignment. But 365 days a year, you need that mind realigned. Because the world and the enemy is constantly trying to fit you into its mold. Oh, you, you may be getting kicked back for thinking this way, but I want to tell you, it's freeing to be able to walk and, and know that you're in God's presence. Amen? Amen? So come close to God. God is going to come close to you. Can I have everybody stand? And listen, if our, our prayer team, I think we got a, just a few of you guys here today. Uh, if you need prayer for any reason, I want to invite you to come up. But I first want to say, like, the first step is giving your life to Him. So if you're here today and you're like, okay, I don't know how to take that first step. The first step is to say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I believe that you're the Messiah. I believe that you came, that you died for my sin. And because of if I surrender my life to you, I can walk in the grace and the mercy of God. And you can change my life 100%. If you're here today and saying, listen, pastor, I just wanted to make a fresh commitment, either first time or maybe a recommitment to him. If that's you, can I just have you raise your hand and then put it down and say, pastor, pray for me. Amen. I see several hands. Thank you. Thank you. Lord, I thank you that you are a merciful God. Lord, I thank you that you're not harsh, that you're not just ready to drop the hammer on us because we, we drift, Lord. But Father, you're always wooing us back to you. You're like the, the father and the prodigal son that's constantly waiting, constantly looking for us. 
And Lord, several hands that were up, Lord God, just saying, I, I want to make a fresh start with you. Can I have you guys repeat this prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your mercy. I know I don't deserve it. But you say I deserve it. Because you went to the cross. You took my sin. You paid the penalty. And Lord, now I can walk in your righteousness. Forgive me, Lord, and help me to walk in the right path. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, if you need prayer for anything, we're just going to have the music going for a few minutes. Uh, we got a couple of couples up here, and uh, you need a touch. You need someone to stand with you. I want to encourage you to do that.